0: Chapter Twenty Seven of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twenty Seven. And in all this time, he had not heard again from Violet, nor had he written to her. Then it was in the first week of November. Violet wrote. She wrote imploring him to set her free. It was rooted in her. The fear that he would compel her to come back that he had the power to make her she wanted he seemed to see it to feel safe from him forever leonard had promised to marry her if she were free she intimated that leonard was everything that was generous and honorable she wanted she had so abused him for having married her she wanted to marry mercier to have a hold on him and be safe marriage was her idea of safety now she went on to say that if he would consent to divorce her it would be made easy for him she would not defend the suit that meant he puzzled it out that meant that it would lie between the two of them nobody else would be dragged into it Winnie's name would not by any possibility be dragged in violet would have no use for Winnie since she was not going to defend the suit she might at the worst have to appear as witness if the evidence of violet's letters her own admission was not sufficient it looked as if it would be simple enough why should he not release her he had no business not to give her the chance to marry mercier to regulate the relation if that was what she wanted it was his own chance too his one chance he would be a fool not to take it and as it came over him in its fulness all that it meant and would yet mean ranny felt his heart thumping and bounding dangerously in its weakened state on a wednesday evening in november he presented himself once more at the regent street polytechnic and at the door of an office where on wednesday evenings an experienced legal adviser held himself in readiness to give advice that legal adviser who had been the jest of his adolescence whose services he had not conceived it possible that he should require he had a curiously uplifting sense of the gravity and impressiveness of the business upon which at last inconceivably he came but this odd elation was controlled and finally overpowered by disgust and shame as one by one under the kind but acute examination of the legal man he brought out for his inspection the atrocious details and he had to show violet's letter of september the document supremely valuable supremely infamous supported by the further communication of november the keen man asked him as his uncle and his father-in-law had asked if he had given any provocation any cause for jealousy misunderstanding or the like had his own conduct been irreproachable when all this part of it was over settled to the keen man's satisfaction Ranny was told that there was little doubt that he could get his divorce if, that was the question, he could afford to pay. Divorce was, yes, it was, a costly matter. Almost, you might say, the luxury of the rich. A matter for him probably of 40 or 50 pounds. Well, say 30, when you'd cut expenses down to the very lowest limit. Could he, the keen but kindly man inquired, afford 30? No, he couldn't he couldn't afford twenty even with all his existing debts upon him he couldn't now raise ten he asked whether he could get his divorce if he put it off a bit until he could afford it the legal man looked grave well yes if you can show poverty ranny thought he could undertake to show that all right at the legal man's suggestion he wrote a letter to his wife assuring her that it was impossible for her to desire a divorce more than he did That he meant to bring an action at the very moment when he could afford it pointing out to her that her debts which he had paid had not made this any easier for him that in the meanwhile she need not be anxious that he would not follow her or molest her in any way and that in no circumstances would he take her back and now ranny's soul and all his energy were set upon the one aim of raising money for his divorce it was impossible to lay his hands upon that money all at once he could not do it this year nor yet the next for his expenses and his debts together exceeded the amount of his income but gradually by pinching and scraping it might be done perhaps in two or three years time his chief trouble was that in all these weeks he had seen nothing of Winnie. he had called twice at the side door of johnson's but they had told him that she was not in and hampered as he was with the children he had not had time to call again Besides, he knew he had to be careful, and Winnie knew it too. That, of course, would always help him. Her perception of the necessity for care. There were ways of managing these things, but they required his mother's or his friend's cooperation. And so far, Mrs. Ransom had shown no disposition to cooperate. Winnie was not likely to present herself at Wandsworth without encouragement, and she had apparently declined to lend herself to any scheme of Maudie's or of Fred Booty's with winnie lying low there was nothing left for him but the way he shrank from of persistent and unsolicited pursuit november passed and they were in december and he had not seen her after having recovered somewhat under the influence of the drug strophanthus he now became depressed listless easily fatigued up till now there had been something not altogether disagreeable to mrs ransome in the misfortunes of her son they had brought him back to her but he had not wanted to come back and now she wondered whether she had done well to make him come whether after all he had gone through it was not too much for him realizing as he did his father's awful state it had gone so far mr ransome's state that there was no way in which it could be taken lightly and she was depressed herself perceiving it mr ransome's state made him unfit for business now unfit to appear in the shop above all unfit for the dispensary fit only to crawl from room to room and trouble them with the sad state of his peaked and peevish face he required watching he himself recognized that in his handling of tricky drugs there was a danger the business was getting out of hand it was small and growing smaller every month yet it was too much for mr ponting to cope with unassisted They were living, all three of them, in a state of tension most fretting to the nerves. The whole house fairly vibrated with it. It was as if the fearful instability of Mr. Ransom's nervous system communicated itself to everybody around him. At the cry or the sudden patter of Ranny's children overhead, Mr. Ransom would be set quivering and shaking, and this disturbance of his reverberated. Ranny set his teeth and sat tight and stuck it but he felt the shattering effect of it all the same and the children felt it too subtly insidiously dossie became peevish easily frightened she was neither so good nor so happy with her granny and the little girl as she had been with winnie baby cried oftener ranny sometimes would be up half the night with him all this mrs ransome saw and grieved over and was powerless to help in christmas week the state of mr ransome became terrible not to be born. Ranny was working hard at the counting-house. He was worn out, and he looked it. The sight of him, so changed, broke Mrs. Ransom down. Ranny, she said, I wish you'd get away somewhere for Christmas. Me and Mabel look after the children. You go. He said there wasn't anywhere he cared to go to. Well, is there anything you'd like to do? To do? For Christmas, dear, to make it not so sad-like is there anybody she said you'd like to ask no there wasn't at any rate if there was he wouldn't ask them it wouldn't be exactly what you'd call fun for them with the poor old hummingbird making faces at them all the time his mother looked at him shrewdly and said nothing but she sat down and wrote a letter to winnie diamond asking her to come and spend christmas day with them if said mrs ransome she hadn't anywhere better to go to and didn't mind a sad house and winnie came she hadn't anywhere better to go to and she didn't mind a sad house in the least they wondered ranny and his mother how they were ever going to break it to the hummingbird your father won't like it ranny he's not fit for it he'll think us heartless having strangers in the house when he's suffering so but mr ransome when asked if he was fit for it replied astoundingly that he was fit enough if it would make randall any happier it did It made him so happy that his recovery dated from that moment he had only one fear that dossie would have forgotten winky but dossie hadn't though after two months of wandsworth she had forgotten many things and had cultivated reserve when ranny said who's this dossie she tucked her head into her shoulder and smiled shyly and said winty but they had to pretend that baby remembered too he hadn't really got what you would call a memory and after all it was ranny winnie said to herself who remembered most for he gave her for a christmas present not only a beautiful white satin sashie scented with lavender lavender not violets this time but a wonderful hot-water bag with a shaggy red coat that made you warm to look at it ranny fancy ye remembering that i had cold feet that night he went home with her to johnson's side door carrying the sachet and the hot-water bag and the things his mother had given her upstairs in the attic she shared with three other young ladies the first thing winnie did was to turn to the cookery book she had bought a year ago and read the directions how to preserve hot-water bags to preserve them forever End of chapter twenty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine